Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 119 uh, as we continue our series through the longest chapter in all of Scripture, uh, a uh, love poem, if you will, uh, written to God's Word. Uh, we just, uh, as a church, wanted to, as the new year starts, we wanted to, to redouble our efforts in, in just loving and seeking and, and being passionate about God's Word. Today we'll be reading verses 97 through 104. So just to remind you, uh, if you're a guest or if, you, uh, if you're not aware of this, we're covering every section of this psalm. Now we cover every other section by sermon on Sunday and then our, uh, we have a daily what's called the Wyatt Primer, a daily email of, uh, that we use to kind of get ready for Sunday and, and just an opportunity every day to be in God's Word and to pray God's Word. And so that's, uh, that's covering uh, the other chapters that we're not covering by uh, the Sunday sermon. So just to, to remind you of that. And uh, if you don't have that, uh, we would love to uh, put you on that email where you can study um, all of these scriptures because they are all wonderful. Starting with verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way um, life's complicated isn't it i mean if everyone was like you that you had to interact with it'd be easy right because you would think the same way but you you work with people that have different opinions that dare to have different opinions than you you're married to someone likely that has different opinions than you how do you navigate that politics is complicated you look around and there's no candidate that perfectly does right and so how do you cast that vote there's just very varying degrees of things that come at us we have to choose whether or not, okay, what's the most, what's the sinful and non-sinful choice? But sometimes we, it's faced with what's, what's maybe the better choice? What would maybe honor, glor, honor and glorify God more? There's, it's complicated. And so what we need in life is wisdom, right? We need a way to navigate all the many decisions that we have in any given day, in any given week, or any given year. 
And the psalmist this morning wants to tell us that there's wisdom in the Word of God. That's where true wisdom comes from. And so that's what we want to talk about, the fact that the psalmist finds wisdom in God's Word. And so should we. First, the the psalmist finds wisdom in God's Word because he meditates on it and he spends time with it. He talks here about love. That uh, he, he starts this section with this, this great affection, this statement of affection. He says, oh, how I love your law. And that's why we started our series with, our year with this series is because we want that, right? The psalmist seems to believe that if, if life, if, if, if I don't get the Word of God every day, then my day's off, right? Like, like for some of us, if we didn't eat, right, you would feel weird, right? I, I, I feel weird. I haven't eaten. Or if you don't sleep, you, you feel tired. And there's, there's things that affect your life. But with the psalm, he, he loves God's Word. It's so much a part of his life that, that his days would be thrown off if he didn't read it, if he didn't bring God's word into his heart every day we want to have a similar relationship with the word of God where it's not something we we make ourselves do all the time and sometimes and discipline has to come into play right but we would love for that more often than not that our our coming to the word of God would be out of desire out of this same kind of love and one of the reasons that, that this seems true of the psalmist, that he loves God's Word, is because he, he meditates on it. In verse 97, he says, it is my meditation. In verse 99, he says, your testimonies are my meditation. I think meditation is a major key to the psalmist's affection for the Word of God. Spurgeon said this, he says, meditating upon the Word of God was both the cause and effect for his love for God's law. He meditated on God's Word because he loved it, and he loved it more because he meditated on it. But it kind of begs the question, right? What, what does it mean to meditate on God's Word? The word meditate, I think, because of religions, false religions that have, have kind of hijacked that word. We, we hear meditation and we think of, you know, emptying your mind and like doing your finger thing like this and setting Indian style and humming or something. And, and that's false. False religions do say like empty your mind to meditate. But that is not Christian meditation. Christian meditation is a very active thing. You are engaging your mind with the text. This is kind of a lengthy quote, but I think it's important for us to understand Christian meditation. J.I. Packer describes biblical meditation like this. Meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself 
the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought consciously performed in the presence of God under the eye of God by the help of God as a means of communion with God. Its purpose is to clear one's mental and spiritual vision of God and to let His truth make its full and proper impact on one's mind and heart. Folks, I would put forth to you this morning, I'm convinced of this, that it is better for your spiritual life for you to meditate on half a verse than it is to merely read a hundred verses. It's easy just to read God's Word, and if we make no other effort than just reading it, we forget it. We read it to alleviate some, alleviate some guilt or to check some kind of box that we think we need to check to be a good Christian. But it's so easy to check that box and then go about our day without dwelling on it at all. Without applying it at all. Without asking our lives to conform to this text, the text we read that morning or whenever. And that's usually the problem. That's usually when we start asking, what does it all mean? I'm not getting anything out of my Bible study. I read it every day. I get nothing. Well, the problem is you're merely reading it. You're not truly meditating it and letting it in and letting it change you. And so what does this mean? Does it, does scriptural meditation, does it mean just you know, sitting at your desk in your home office for hours on end, meditating? Well, let me give you an example of what it might look like that's very different than that. You snooze one too many times. You ever done that? Do it every morning. Snooze one too many times. And then all of a sudden you're in a rush, right? Oh man, the kids are going to be late for school. And so you go and you drag them out and, and everybody's running around. Like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to get to school on time? And there's no time for a, a nice breakfast of eggs and sausage. Everybody grab a, a granola bar. bar. we got to get to the car. And you get to the car, and by, by some miracle, you get them to, to, to school before the tardy bell rings. And then you, you head to the office, and you get in your, the parking lot of your office, and you realize you've got four minutes to be through that door. you got four minutes before you're going to be late for work. And you think, I haven't, I haven't read God's Word today. And you think at first, well, I'll just, I'll just read it tonight. But then you know, you know how that goes. You know how that goes. You always say, I'm going to read it later. I'm going to read it at lunch. But it just it never materializes because life happens. So then you think, okay, I just got to read the Bible real quick here in my car, right, before I get out. And so you, you open up your email primer, 
right? Your, your Wyatt Primer, shameless plug. And you look at the section of Scripture there. Or maybe you open up your Bible app. And you look at, you just find the first Scripture you can find. And, and let's say it's Romans 5, 1 through 11. I time this. 11 verses will take you about a minute and 11 seconds to read. Are you going to grasp all that? No, you're not going to grasp all that. You've got to get inside for work. But does a verse jump out at you from that section? Does it a verse just jump out? You know, all Scripture's great, but, but there are times we'll read a section and just one particular, it's like, I need that today. Well, you think, I've got to meditate on that. I've got to... I gotta, Okay, that'll be my verse today. And so you're like, i got to write that down. And, and you look around, there's no cute little pink index cards for you to write your little memory verse on. you you got a medical bill there, right? Envelopes. You just get the envelope and you, and you write out, say, chapter, verse 8. But God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so you write, write that down. That takes about a minute. I timed all this in my office like a crazy person. So you're three minutes in. You got one minute to get to the door, and, and, and that's a minute prayer you can give to God about your day. But you know what you have for the day? You got a verse. You got a verse in your pocket. And that verse doesn't need to stay in your pocket. And you get inside, you can tape it to your computer or just remember that it's there and just remember, I've got to look at this. And when I get a break, when I go to the bathroom or, or, or when I'm, you know, when I just have a few minutes, take that verse out and read it and dissect it. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And during the day, you're questioning this verse. You're asking, what does it teach you? What is this saying about the love of God? What does it say about both the Father and the Son's love for God in giving Christ? What does it say about about why God saved you. Did He save you because you became this great, awesome person that was worth saving? No, it says, while you were a sinner, He died for you. And so you begin to think about, well, how should that change how I live my life today to know that I have a God that loves me with that kind of mercy and grace? And you think about that verse, and you think about how should that verse affect how I interact with my coworkers or my family. Do I, do I need to make sure that they're worthy of my love? But if I'm supposed to have the love of God, I can't do that because this verse says that He loved me while I was still a sinner. So people's behavior around me shouldn't dictate whether or not I give them love and, and kindness. And by the end of the day, that envelope, it's, it's wrinkled, it's torn, maybe it's marked up, words are circled, Words are underlined. You have, on your worst day of preparation, when you snoozed way too many times, you have meditated on a timeless, beautiful, life-changing truth of God. 
just because you made a little effort to take a verse in with you. Mom, when you, you wake up and you, you set that alarm, when you think the kids are going to, 15 minutes before the kids are going to get up, so you can read the Bible, you have every good intention, but they know, they know when the alarm's going to go off. It's like they know. Before you know it, there's a kid in your face five minutes before your little quiet time alarm is going to go off. What do you do? You grab a verse. You grab a verse and you, you shake and you wring that verse out for all that it's worth. What have you done that day? You've meditated on the timeless, beautiful, wonderful truth of God. Yes, it's great. It's great to set your alarm in time to read lengthy portions of Scripture. You should do that. Especially on, on days when you're off, that, that's, that may be your time to just be able to, to cover a lot of Scripture, and that's, that's good, and that's right. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But never underestimate just taking one verse or two verses, just small amounts of verses, and just wringing them out for all that they're worth. On your very worst, busiest day, you can still be someone who is meditating on the Word of God. We see here that, that meditation to the psalmist is spending time or allows him to spend time with God's Word. He says, it is my meditation all the day, all the day. Now let's examine for a moment, and we probably haven't done this enough, is what was Bible intake like for this psalmist? Our homes are full of beautifully bound Scripture, Old and New Testament. I mean, if you're in my house, it's, it's you know, you almost have a Bible in reach. It's crazy. Every time I think I've got all, every, all the Bibles I need, they... Crossway comes out with some awesome one that I need to have, and so I buy it. There's just Bibles everywhere. We all have a Bible in our, on our phone, most of us, right? If you got, that's one of the first apps you download, right? The Bible app. To be a good Christian. If I don't have the Bible app on my phone, I'm not a good Christian. So we all walk around with the Old and New Testament in our pockets. not so for the psalmist he would have had limited access to god's word the scripture of his day would have been kept in holy meeting places written on tablets and things that are hard to carry around in your pocket you know i get a tablet in your pocket folks they were much things that were committed to memory like the ten commandments and the old oral traditions of the scriptures, the stories that they remember. So they're always probably struggling to, to copy or memorize a small consumable chunk of it. When we, re when we read that, that he meditated on it all day, we, I think we wrongly visualize that this psalmist is, has got his New Te Old Testament, New Testament, beautifully giant bound study Bible there on his home office desk with a nice mug of coffee and a muffin. And that's, that's what we think of, but it's just not how it worked. 
no doubt his meditation comes in very small chunks that and that would have been the way that christians lived for hundreds of years think about that folks the bible would not be in wide circulation until about 600 years ago with the invention of the printing press so for 75 percent of christian history the normal Christian didn't even have access to the entire Word of God. Many still don't in their language. And I bring that out for two reasons. First, to be thankful to your access of the Bible. I mean, imagine this psalm, the psalmist here is just trying to just gather as many chunks and and memory verses and that he can we don't know maybe, maybe he is a priest that has a little more access to the tablets and things like that maybe but it's not like we have it and if this psalmist is gonna gonna say man i love the word of god and he's gonna say it's like honey to my lips and and can you imagine if he would look upon us and see that we all walk around with the completed word of god can you imagine what he'd be like? It would blow his mind. So we're always like thinking the psalmist had something that we don't have. No, we have something the psalmist didn't have. The Old and New Testament and the completed, the completed mission and gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if he is to love it and, and to meditate on it, then how much more are we not to take pleasure in it? But I also tell you that to encourage you to aim for quality over quantity in Bible study. For the majority of Christian history, Bible reading plans weren't even a thing. And I'm not bashing Bible reading plans. Man, if, that's, if you love going through the Bible in a year, you do it. You, you, you bring that, you, you study it and you enjoy it. But folks, if we're not meditating also, if we're not pulling out those verses and just doing everything we can to get those truths in our heart. Man, we're just never going to get where we need to be as mature Christians. Take that, take a verse, take it into your work and into your school and around your home as you do laundry and make it your meditation all the day. Secondly, the, the psalmist finds wisdom in God's Word because he desires to know more than others. He wants to desire. He, want, he knows that I've got the Word of God and therefore I can know Him. I can... Can be wise. And so he, he lists off three things that he's wiser than. Verse 80, uh, 98 Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. As we've seen previously, the psalmist was, was up against some enemies, right? Not just normal enemies, prince enemies, it says. Like the princes are coming out against me, they're plotting against me. But he knows, hey, I'm okay. 
as smart as they think they are, I've got the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? When David had one of his advisors um, go against him, in, verse, uh, in, in, in the Psalms he says, he prays, O Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Turn his counsel into foolishness. No matter how clever your enemy thinks that you are, you have the Word of God. It makes us wiser than our teachers. This is what he says in verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Wiser than teachers? Does that seem a little far-fetched? Does this mean that if you read your Bible, you'll be smarter than all the professors in academia? I had a friend of mine uh, that I roomed with in, in, in my senior year of college, and he was, a, uh, he was a grad student over at UCA in mathematics. And we would go out and eat, and he would say, I've got to show you this theorem I've been working on. And he'd pull out the napkin, and he would pull out a pen, and he would just write out <clears throat> this huge, complicated math problem, and and it was, his name was Jimmy Federley. He's from El Dorado and just went on to get a Ph.D. in mathematics. And, and I, would, I would say, Jimmy, I took remedial algebra. <laughs> like, do you understand that? Do you understand what the things on that napkin, do you understand how far above me they are? Every time we got to eat, he'd show me more theorems. I'd have to tell him that every time. And he just kept, he just knew he could teach me. And So does that mean that if I just read my Bible more than Jimmy? Now, Jimmy read his Bible a lot, too. But if I'd read my Bible more than Jimmy, then I would have excelled past him in, in mathematics. Well, no. The Bible contains math. It's not a textbook on mathematics. It contains science. It's not a, a textbook on science. You cannot master every subject by reading the Bible, but you can know the purpose and meaning of life. When we say that the Bible is sufficient, what we mean is that it is sufficient for all things that pertain to life and godliness. You can't read the Bible and it make you a great surgeon, right? It can make you a godly surgeon. It can be a, make you a surgeon that handles your patients with, with godliness and and love, but it, it can't make you a surgeon. But what the Word of God can do, it, it reveals to you the architect of the world. When we know the architect of the world, we know the purposes for the world, and we will be able to navigate it better. So in a very real, real way, yes, those that love and obey the Scriptures understand the world better than the most godless academ academic. Because we understand life. We understand the purpose and true meaning of life. But also, I would say, it can make us wiser than our godly teachers, than, God, than teachers that, that are godly. The ultimate source of, of your knowledge should not be me, Josh, or Brother Donnie, or your Sunday school teacher. 
the ultimate source of your knowledge is the Word of God, right? So you're not limited, thanks, you know, thank God, you're not limited to my knowledge. William Tyndale said this, a plowboy with the Bible would know more of God than most learned priests who ignored it. Don't aim to know what your favorite author Your favorite pastor knows about the Word of God. Aim to know all that there is about the Word of God. Aim high. Pursue it. And like the psalmist, you can even become more knowledgeable of the Scriptures and of God than even those who used to teach you. Go to the source and go further up and further in and discover more and more in the wonderful revelation of God. Don't be bound by your teachers. Appreciate them, but don't be bound by them. It makes us wiser than our years. Verse 100, I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. The, uh, the idea, right, for the, is for the aged, and especially those in church, that with that gray hair would come great wisdom and great knowledge and great understanding that everyone else can benefit from. And sometimes that is the case. And sometimes it's not the case. Hebrews 5.12 says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Sadly, time doesn't always equal godliness and wisdom. Sometimes you get dumber. If you ignore the words of God, if you ignore practicing the words of God. But what does Paul tell Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12? Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So Paul's saying there, hey man, don't let anybody, Timothy, you are mature beyond your years. You're a godly man. Go in there and lead those people. Don't worry about your age. Don't let anybody call into question your age because you are mature in your faith. And do you know what it, what it comes down to and, 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 and separating those who, who can go their life without really maturing and those who can mature really fast like the psalmist is saying, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, he's being, I guess, a little arrogant here. Hey, I'm more wise than a lot of old people. What sets him apart is what he says in verse 100. I understand more than the age, for I keep your precepts. That's the problem. It goes back to that issue of someone just reading the Word or going to church and, and hearing sermons that go in one ear and out the other. The psalmist is saying when we keep the precepts, when we obey the Word of God, that's when we grow in wisdom. That's when we can become wise even beyond the years we've had on this earth when we practice God's Word. The final point quickly, um, the psalmist finds wisdom in God's Word because he obeys and enjoys it. To be wise, again, this goes back to what he said about the aged. He said to, to be wise in the word is it means we obey it 
verse 101 and 102, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your, your, your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. And he's saying, the word of God numbers my, like, it shows me where to step with everything in my life. I don't step into evil. I step the path that God's word marks out for me, and I don't stray. And that's why, that's why he's able to grow wise through the word, by not just reading it, but just letting it govern his life. Also, to be wise, and, and maybe because it's making him wise, we see here the psalmist, it's not just a thing in his head. It's, 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 it's something that he desires with his heart. It first says in verse 3, uh, I'm sorry, 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Right now, you're like, great, the, the preacher beekeeper is about to go on a long lecture on honey. No, I'm not going to do that. Although I could. But people ask me, why, why do I keep bees? And I, my initial response is because honey is awesome. I mean, have you ever had, I mean, you, I know you have, a hot roll with butter and honey. You know, they didn't have candy back. You know, they didn't have, a, I mean, I'm sure they had some version of candy. But it's not like they went to the convenience store and they were Reese's, like the best candy, which is Reese's Cups, right? I don't know what your opinion is, but that's the right one. <laughs> that's my favorite candy. But, but I think to them, honey was they, kind of their candy because it, it tasted so good. It was sweet. And that's what the psalmist is saying the Word of God is like to him. It's not just oatmeal that I have to eat because it's good for me. It's not just kale because that doesn't have many calories. It's The Word of God to the psalmist, is, it's, it's, like, it's like our favorite piece of candy. Don't you want that? I would propose to you that if you would pursue God's word and wisdom and in, in a way that you meditate and you make it have effect in your life and, and every day you put your you, you take the word and you apply it to your life, I think you would begin to see the word of God like you do your favorite piece of candy. I just want to read in conclusion. Uh, scripture that I did not put the reference to, but it's in the New Testament. It's uh, in the letters. I think it was. Uh, it's in Colossians, maybe. But uh, this is Paul writing. He says, "For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being." knit together in love to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Catch that? To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Folks, be careful of a Christless Christianity. Of a, Christ, of, of, of a Christless, dutifully serving the Word of God and reading the Word of God. Because we could read the psalm now realizing that it is Christ who reveals and, and, and has, has made known the mysteries of God. That, that if you're just reading words on a page without a relationship with the Son of God, with Christ Himself, you will never have wisdom. You'll maybe be a dutiful servant of words on a page, but it's not until these words come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's how we're obedient. That's how we can be as the psalmist is. It's not just through reading God's Word, but reading it as people loved by Jesus Christ. And so in this complicated world, struggles where we struggle to make decisions every day let us be those who through christ love the word of god desire the word of god like we do a piece of candy because we know it's good and it helps us i ask our musicians to come i ask you to please stand i'm gonna lead us in a word of prayer Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word that gives us wisdom, that makes us wiser than our teachers, wise beyond our years, wise beyond our enemies. God, that your word, it changes us and it gives us the meaning and secrets of life, God. God, help us to treasure it. Help us to meditate on it, God, even on days when we can just grab that verse. God, may we ring those verses out for all that they're worth and allow them to change our lives. We might be obedient so we might know what the psalmist knows, that when we are obedient, God, when we are obedient to your beautiful and wonderful word, your word becomes sweet to us. God, move in our